0: You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. I wanted to make a brief podcast about getting older in light of, uh, with respect to, let's say, sports, in particular in football, in particular in Pittsburgh Steelers football, in most particular of particulars. And specifically, particularly, of particularitis, particular elitus, which is a disease affecting the particulars of the particularness of the park area parks that you visit in the springtime. Anyway, no, look. Start, take two. Um, hi. I wanted to talk about the Steelers and aging. <laughs> take three. I- <laughs> I grew up when Terry Bradshaw was the Steelers quarterback. And when I came into awareness of football as a sport and my fandom, they had already won their first Super Bowl. I do remember watching it, but barely. And yet, and yet, they won it when I was eight, I believe, or or seven. So I should have remembered it pretty strongly because I have a lot of memories from them. But it's hard to get into sports when you're that young, including football. But anyway, they won their first Super Bowl. The next year, they won their second. Then they took two years off, and they won their third and fourth. They won four Super Bowls in six years between my ages of 7 to 13. So uh, think about that. Think about growing of age as a sports fan and a Pittsburgh Steelers football, NFL football fan. And between the ages of 7 and 13, your team wins four Super Bowls. So with that as the backdrop, we, we, you know, we flash forward to 1980 when the Steelers were, their theme was win one, one for the thumb, a fifth Super Bowl ring to put on your thumb with the other four fingers having Super Bowl rings on them. And my dad got some tickets in the paper. They were advertised some extra tickets for the home opener, Against our division rival, Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. That was their theme song. It was really gay. I'm sorry. Not gad's. Politically incorrect. I apologize. It's still one of those words I use. I have nothing against gay people. I'm not saying gay means bad or because I dislike gay people. It's just a word I learned. And I still use it and I don't know. I mainly use it to myself. So I don't offend me by saying it's gay. That's gay because I'm not gay and also because no one hears it. So it's no harm, no foul. But then I add it to podcasts, foul and harm. Anyway, (laughs) the Steelers won that home opener. My father and I went to the game. They won it, I think, 31-17 or something. Really nice second half. I remember a big touchdown catch by Stallworth, I believe. We had end zone seats, Three Rivers Stadium. But they went on to go 8-8 eight and eight that year, or 9-7, and seven, and they did not make the playoffs. And Dandy Don Meredith sang on Monday Night Football. Turn out to Lash, the party's over. And, oh, I hated him because he was so excited to see the Steelers lose. And what was funny is, you know, back then when they started to fade and they finally lose after winning four Super Bowls in six years, People joyfully were counting us down, yet we had to sit through how many years of the Patriots, 20 years, and and the media just shaming anyone for ever daring to say anything wrong, even when they cheated and stole tapes of teams and did horrible things. We were supposed to still worship them. It was so strange the way we were scolded into worshiping the Patriots by the media. But back in the day, every, everyone in the media wanted everyone to hate the Steelers as they just kept being a dynasty, you know, just times change. Now we live in a culture that pushes worshiping sports teams and dynasties, and it, it really, because of the money got so big and the media got so big, it really is trying to enforce the cult of the NFL. It's like a cult, you know? Where back in my day when the Steelers were great in the NFL – It was just kind of like, oh, the Steelers are a pain in the ass, you know, and they got fatigued about putting all their players in the Hall of Fame and didn't even put Elsie Greenwood in, even though he was clearly a Hall of Fame defensive lineman and things like that. And Donnie Schell, I don't believe, made it in. And some of these players that were clearly just as good as all the other ones had gotten the Hall of Fame, they wouldn't put them in because they just got tired of putting every Steeler player in, you know. Nowadays, they'd all get in 17 times. Because the hype on Donnie Shell and Elsie Grimm, the Steelers, it would be so obnoxious, the hype of the media. But back then, not, not so, and the Steelers faltered. And then, by 81 or 82, Bradshaw's arm got shot. Myron Cope tried to bring in a minor, minor bird and put it on his arm to heal him, but it didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, and I was forced to watch as a tremendously you know, huge 15, 16-year-old Steelers football NFL fan after all those years of glory, a parade of horrifyingly awful quarterbacks. And we're talking really for 20 years because there was a little patch in there of Cordell Stewart in the 90s. There was a little patch of... of uh, Neil O'Donnell, and he got us to a Super Bowl one year. Uh, A little flickering of that. There was a little flickering of Tommy Maddox. But those were the only three guys that ever, for a brief second, were anything worth getting excited about. Otherwise, for those from, you know, really 1980, because Bradshaw was pretty much shot right away, from really like 80, 81, all the way up until 2004, When Ben was a rookie, Ben Roethlisberger, and he became the Steelers quarterback for all those years, more than 20 years, Uh, aside from a flickering of one season, really, of Cordell Stewart that you kind of believed in maybe, but then it choked out in the playoffs where he threw two awful interceptions in the playoffs. And then the little flickering one year of Neil O'Donnell when he got us to the Super Bowl, but he threw two pathetic interceptions in the Super Bowl and really single-handedly made sure we lost that Super Bowl to Dallas in 95, I think it was. And then a tiny little flickering of Tommy Maddox that never did anything, really. He just looked like, hey, a guy that can throw the ball maybe, and then uh, and he got injured and Ben took over. But so what I'm saying is that's 20-plus years of really just a few flickering thoughts of maybe we have a quarterback, oh, no, never mind, we don't. Otherwise, it was, you know, Cliff Stout, it was Bubby Brister, it was Mark Malone, it was Mike Tomzak. it was, uh, oh, just a lot of people. And, um, but did I say Bubby? I always like to say Bubby Brister twice because he was so awful. And I interviewed him. When I was a Carnegie Mellon student, uh, I did a, I did a, I was in a class. One of my courses was uh, interview writing. I think I think it was the name of the class <laughs> uh, as a writing major. And um, I was able to contact the Steelers PR guy. I forget who it was back then. And they gave me, the at the time, the backup quarterback, I believe their second round pick that year, rookie uh, Bubby Brister. And he ended up becoming the starter for the Steelers. And I sat across from him and did an interview and I wrote an article. And even though I didn't write For the school paper, the Tartan, I uh, did submit the article uh, to the Tartan, and they did publish it. And what was interesting is I lied to the Steelers and told them (laughs) that I wrote for the Tartan paper for CMU. And that's why they gave me the interview, because I was a college sports writer, allegedly. But I wasn't. I was just in a class, and I was not writing for the paper. I probably should have been, but... But they asked for a copy of the article when it was published. So after doing the interview, I did go to the paper and uh, say, hey, I did this interview, you want to publish it? And they did. So then I was able to give a copy of the Tartan paper with the article in it to the Steelers. I don't know why I'm thinking his name was Tom Gordon or something like that. I don't remember the PR guy, but it was the head PR guy for the Steelers. But that was all very exciting. That was all very exciting in the day. But why am I telling you all of this? What is this all about? Frankly, who gives a fuck? (laughs) And the answer is, current day Steelers. You know, Ben Roethlisberger got washed up, washed, as they say, as the kids today say. He went from superstar to mid as the kids say today, and then became washed, as the kids say today, and still played, even when he was washed, one whole season of washedness. And then finally, we got rid of him. <laughs> mercy, mercy, we cried, and he said, all right, and he let us go under his reign of terror, which it had become since he blew his arm out. It really became shitty. Um, And so we lucked into being able to draft Kenny Pickett with the 20th pick. And I, as I made a bunch of podcasts about my true belief that he was going to be a star, and seeing Tom Brady like qualities, et cetera, with him, and uh, really being excited that we got him, and uh, really defending him and wanting him to start last year, and defending him while he was struggling, and I made a number of podcasts on it. And now we're into this year, and he's still struggling. And you know he's winning though. He's twelve and five. Or the Steelers are twelve and five since the bye last year, and. Uh, Most of those games he started. A couple of them he got injured and knocked out of. And um, I think one of them uh, Trubisky actually started. Um, But anyway, he's a winner and he has seven comeback wins in the fourth quarter in his career already. He's a clutch guy and he's a winner, but his stats stink. His pass rating is like 81 2. He has 60 of these, four interceptions. He has a pretty low completion percentage. Uh, He's not running at all. He's not getting any yardage running like he did last year. Um, His arm looks erratic. uh, And uh, just the offense is anemic. And it's been anemic under Matt Canada the entire time, including when Ben was the quarterback. It's very easy to see Matt Canada needs to go at the end of the year, even as he does okay here the last few games. He still needs to go. But the point of this podcast is I'm a 57-year-old man on my way to 58 next year, early next year. Been a Steeler fan all those years, as I've told you. And I have seen a lot of bad quarterback play, a lot of quarterbacks that we brought on and hoped would be good. And you have to wait them out. And I heard the media and what they said to us over those years. Oh, fans are always wanting perfection. They all think they... they there's no more popular player on the team than the backup quarterback and all they did was preach patience to us and one after the other after the other they were wrong <laughs> the quarterbacks weren't any good we were right when we called them bombs and one of them yanked they ended up being yanked we never won shit with them and um no one ever did develop and the only time one did was a guy that looked great from the get-go and he was the uh, what was he the 8th overall pick Ben Roethlisberger. He might have been 11th. I don't remember, but he was a high number one pick. And, uh, and he looked like it. And you could see it right away. And when he played in his rookie year, we, we went 15 and one that year. And I think 13 starts in a row by him, we won. And uh, lost in the AFC Championship game to the, to the Patriots. That was his rookie year. I mean, that's how good he was. And even though we ran the ball a lot and played defense and he didn't throw much at all, and he really didn't for his first several years, Ben, you still could see. You could see he was a winner. You could see his great physical attributes. You could see how he moved in the pocket, kept plays alive, and he made plays. It was exciting to watch him play quarterback, and it was the first time in more than 20 years we had a guy that was anything close to that kind of talent, and it stood out. But but for more than 20 years prior to that time, And I'm talking about through my teens and the entirety of my 20s and into my 30s. I was forced as a football fan in a big town, in a town that when I came back and the Steelers won the Super Bowl in 79, the Pirates won the World Series. And we were known as the city of champions because of that. Because we held both a World Series title and a Super Bowl crown or title Both in the same year and both in the same season, I should say. The 79 season of the Pirates and the 79 football season. They did not win the Super Bowl till the next year in 80. But that's because that's the way, you know, football seasons go. They wrap around into the next calendar year. But the 79 seasons of the Steelers and the Pirates, they both won championships. We were the city of champions. Pittsburgh was the city of champions. And living in that town and being that kind of sports fan, I saw shit quarterback play from that point on. Really, for the most part, all the way up until Ben Roethlisberger in uh, 2004, 2004. And my point is, the media told us to sit down, shut up, and take our medicine. And media aside, you just you try and you wait and you have patience and you hope. And you try this quarterback and that quarterback, and maybe for a while you believe and you'll, you hope and you see. And, and oh, well, nope, that's not the guy. Try the next guy. And you move along, but it takes time. It takes time. <clears throat> and what you learn, what I learned back then over those 20-plus years, is even when you're in the city of champions and even when you have a very good team, and Cower did, by the way. Coach Cower became our head coach in 92. And we got into the playoffs a lot with him, and we were a good team a lot with him. In fact, three out of four years in the 90s, the Pittsburgh Steelers hosted the AFC Championship game at Three River Stadium or Heinz Field, whenever that was built. I think that was still all Three River Stadium for those championship games. But the point is, we were good. We were good, and like I said, we got to the Super Bowl in 1995, so one of those uh, three years when we hosted the championship game, we actually won it and managed to get to the Super Bowl. And despite all that, we went through crappy quarterbacks, and we had to be patient, and we just had to win with them and hope, and we moved on to the next one, and we tried him out, and we hoped and hoped, and he didn't have it, and we moved on to the next one. And you know, we drafted Mark Malone, and we believed he was going to be the guy, and we we gave him a chance until he proved after multiple seasons that you know he just wasn't going to do it, same with Bobby brister we when we started giving him a chance, we believed in him, we hoped we saw signs, glimmers of hope until we realized you know what this guy doesn't have it, he's not going to be the answer, and on and on I mean. David Woodley, we brought him in, and he was a high draft pick of the Miami Dolphins. We tried him out. Didn't have it. <laughs> Cordell Stewart, number two round draft pick for the Steelers. We tried him out. In the first year, he looked exciting, made little plays, ran around. Then he had to become a wide receiver. Didn't have it. Or maybe it was in reverse. I don't remember. No, I think we know. We converted him to wide receiver because he, he just threw too many interceptions as a quarterback. Uh, And I think we had used him as slash before we used him at quarterback, too. But the point is, he didn't work out and um, wasn't good enough. But we tried, and he had glimmers, and some people believed in him, and then we couldn't, and then, you know, we never won anything big with him at all. Flash forward to today, and so many fans and media are done with Pickett because his stats aren't good enough. But if you look at his stats, they're better than Neil O'Donnell's. They're better than any of these quarterbacks I'm mentioning. He's a better quarterback than any of the shit that we've had in this town, except for Ben Roethlisberger and Terry Bradshaw. Kenny Pickett, as bad as he's been, and he's been bad, (laughs) for on, on the whole, you know, in terms of numbers and his appearance and the way he plays in four quarters of football, he hasn't been very good. But he's been very good in the fourth quarter, and he's, a, and he's a winner. And on the whole, he's a better quarterback than this city's ever had except for Bradshaw and Ben. And that's just reality. That's just reality. And I think he could take us to a Super Bowl by some fluky, crazy means, just like Neil O'Donnell did. He, only he might even win it, just like Brad Johnson did with Tampa Bay, just like Trent Dilfer did with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, those teams had really good defenses, and the Steelers' defense this year is nowhere near as good as those teams were. But I think we have better offensive weapons, a better offense than those teams had. And I think Kenny Pickett's a better quarterback than Brad Johnson, a better quarterback than Trent Dilfer ever was. So my point is this. What is wrong with the youth of today? What is wrong with the younger people of today? And shame on some of the older media in this town, too. And shame on some of the older fans. It's as if they forgot, they've they forgotten the 80s and the majority of the and, and 90s in this city. Don't they remember the 80s and 90s and what it was like to be a Steelers football fan when the team was still competitive and still pretty good uh, here and there, different seasons, but had pretty much largely b- bad, mediocre to bad quarterback play? And you just lived with it. Sure you would like to have another Bradshaw. We wanted another Bradshaw. Of course we did. But we couldn't find him and we just kept playing anyway and we kept doing the best we could. What happened to the media back then that was saying, "Hey, this is this is it's hard it's hard to be a good quarterback. Tough shit, just take what you get. The backup's not going to be any better. You know, you try and you you wait and you hope they grow and you hope they learn and you hope they get better quarterback and you move on." Sit down, shut up, take your medicine. What happened to those media people that were saying that back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s to all the Steelers fans? Now, all of a sudden, they're all telling us how Pickett stinks. They're picking everything he does apart. He woefully underthrew that pass. Mr. Wide Open Man, it's not Canada, it's Pickett. And all the fans are doing it, too, on Twitter. He stinks, he's terrible. He's mid, he's this, he's that. He doesn't have it. He's not, he's not the man. He's not him. All these terms, all these weird phrases they use today. What's going on with all of that? Why can't we just realize that all these other teams in the NFL are sitting through Kenny Pickett's too? Even hey, I have a secret for you. Even the great quarterbacks that are supposed to be great, go watch them play year to year. They're very inconsistent. You know, you get a handful of quarterbacks, ten at most, that are actually consistently good year after year for more than like one or two years. You get flash in the pans like Geno Smith. You get guys that are good for a year or two and then they're back to being shitty again. You know, I mean everybody thought that Baker Mayfield, he opened up this year with Tampa Bay. People thought, here we go. Suddenly the number one overall pick, he's finally arrived. And not so much. He fizzled out. People thought in Cleveland, we got our man, we got our man. Not so much. And now Tampa Bay saying, we know how you feel, Cleveland. We know how you feel. So why don't we just try to cool our jets, give Kenny Pickett the rest of his season. He doesn't seem to be growing or progressing. I agree. Uh, It doesn't feel like He's moving in the right direction. But I also think it's a lot to absorb. I think when he lets go and thinks less and is free, he's pretty exciting. I think his abilities, his physical attributes are better than, than, than uh, other people are giving him credit for. People were saying last year he's twitchier. He's a good runner. He's more athletic than people realize. Even Ben Roethlisberger said that. But this year we're not seeing any of that. Why? Well, I think it's pretty clear why. I think that the, he's a little bit strained this year. He's learning more of the offense. He's learning more how to be a quarterback. The more you're functioning with between your ears during the game, the less you're able to let your body go. Plus, I think he got a couple of concussions last year, and I think they're afraid of him running and getting hurt. And I think he's afraid. I think he's playing with a little bit of fear this year about getting concussed, about getting hurt. He's been injured a couple times. I did think he was slightly injury-prone at Pitt. And even though I do think he's tough, I also think he definitely feels pain. There are certain players that play through pain better than others. There are certain people that you know deal with pain better than others. It's just a fact. I mean, I studied as part of my law practice, which was in disability law. You I know, learned a lot about medicine. And one of the aspects of it, that was very important to disability law is pain management. And the art of pain and the, and the art of controlling pain. And one of the very most important facts of pain management and in, in assessing whether or not someone is disabled, whether or not they're a malingerer, which is someone who's lying, making it up, exaggerating it, versus someone who's literally you know legitimately feeling that pain and it's debilitating, it's a tricky line to draw but you have to realize in making those determinations that everybody has a different pain threshold. Pain affects different people differently. The same physical, neurological, or determinable scientifically problem, they, they can find the issue, and it could be the identical uh, uh, injury or, or, or physical health issue in two people. The identical issue, one person, feels a little bit of pain, not that bad. The other person can't move and they're debilitated. The same physical uh, malady. That's because people are different in how they perceive pain and how they deal with pain. And their pain threshold tolerance is different. And so I think Penny kick Penny Kickett. Kenny Pickett might have a kind of a lower end pain threshold. I think he he feels things more sensitively than, well, frankly, than you'd like for your starting quarterback. You'd like your quarterback to be uh, really, really, like, numb to pain and not really mind pain much because they're going to get hit a lot and they're going to be in a lot of pain. And uh, I do think that a lot of – both Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger rolled on the ground, writhed a lot, made uh, dramatic scenes, often went off into the locker room. But they would always come back onto the field, more times than not, and play anyway and play through whatever injured them in the first half and come back and then go on with the season. And then every once in a while, they'd get an injury where they'd actually miss a game or two. But for the most part, whether it was getting the bell rung back then or an actual other injury not to the brain, uh, those guys had – they would make a scene out of it. They were kind of drama queens. But they had high pain thresholds, and they would come back and play. Pickett, I would say, uh, makes a scene and then takes himself out of the game or doesn't go on. But then he comes back and plays the next game often, sort of showing that it's, it's not really that bad of an injury. But his pain on the day of the injury made him afraid to continue, and they held him out. And concussions, of course, are a whole different story. That's just... That's just the, the way it is now in the NFL, they hold you out, and there's a protocol, and because of CTE or whatever. So that's a whole different issue. But as far as the physical pain, I do think that uh, I did think I pit that Pickett's pain threshold level is lower uh, than I wish it was. And, and so that might be a little bit of what we're, what we're seeing from him this year, too. And I think part of his hesitancy and his inaccuracy is a little bit of fear, fear of pain, fear of getting hit. It's a rugged business. And I and he tried to gain weight and worked out and put on more muscle this year. But he doesn't really look any bigger to me. And I think during the year, it's probably hard. When you're practicing and getting ready for football and playing football and you get banged up, I wonder if he's really sticking with the weight training and the beefing up kind of thing that he did in the offseason or not. If he's more just kind of resting and letting the exercise of playing football be his workout routine uh, during the season. I wonder. Um, so that would be my only criticism of him is is I feel like uh, if he doesn't fight through the pain and learn to uh, deal with it better and not be afraid and take more hits and just simply take more hits – and run more and be more not worry about things as much. Uh, I, I think if he if he doesn't learn how to do that better, I don't think he ever will be able to reach his ceiling and become, you know the kind of quarterback I still think he has the ability to, to become. That's to me, his biggest hurdle is the pain management fear hurdle that i that I sense is a little bit of a problem with him, and I did think that about him, as I said at Pitt, and I did think that would be the one thing that might prevent him from being a star. Now I'm thinking (laughs) there are other things that could still prevent him from being a star now that I've seen him more with the Steelers. Um, But that's still number one to me. And I still do believe that if he can fight through the pain and be braver... uh, Look, I don't mean to say he's not brave. That's wrong. That was a wrong way to put that. But if he could just somehow, uh, come to grips with reality that he's going to make a lot of money and this is a rough sport, but it's worth it. And he's going to, he's going to be very successful and it's going to be fantastic if he just bites the bullet a little bit more, uh, you know, easier said than done. I know I'm not an athlete. I'm not putting my ass on the line. I know, but I'm also not ever going to be rich (laughs) Uh, He already is richer than I ever was. So uh, just from his rookie contract, you know, so um, toughen up isn't me being insensitive. It's, you know, the reality of a financial situation. And these people have chosen this profession. But that aside, and I'm not picking on the guy, that aside, my point is mainly the fans. What's going on? What's going on with you people? How old are you? And I think a lot of them are twenty and thirty and they're brats. All they knew was Ben. That's all they knew. And all they see on the NFL television is, you know, Mahomes and 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 Herbert and Josh Allen and all these superstars and, and then they just see rookies like Will Levis last night come out and make a look easy and C.J. Stroud come out with Houston this year against the Steelers and make it look easy, and they think, what's going on here? What's going on here? It's like, yeah, yeah, well, you just keep watching to see if C.J. Stroud keeps making it look easy. See if Will what what, what kind of career does Will Levis end up having. Just keep an eye on those guys because, you know, it's not what you're being fed by the NFL children. (laughs) It's not as easy as you think, you know, I mean, you get a handful of these guys that, that come out looking good and they stay good and they become superstars. Yeah, and we had one of them here. We were spoiled. But the reality is for the prior 20-plus years, we didn't have that here, and we weren't spoiled, and we dealt with it, and we won with it, and we got to a Super Bowl with it, and we hosted three out of four years of championship game with it, and and so on. And so, look, would it be great to get another superstar yeah, but you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't just say, well, Kenny's not Josh Allen, so therefore we just move on halfway through his first full year. you know, We're not even halfway through his first full year. Eight games. Guess what? They play 17. That means there's nine more games. So we're not even halfway through his first full season, and people are done with him already, including media people, media people, the way they treat him, the way they talk about him. They're done with him. And these are people older than me. They were here during the 80s. They were here during the 90s. They were here prior to Ben Roethlisberger. What what are they talking about? Do they forget how long it takes to develop, how patient you have to be with NFL quarterbacks? Do they forget the caliber of quarterback play we suffered through in this city? It was worse than, it was definitely worse than what we're watching with Kenny Pickett. Do they not remember? Every game was like, Kenny Pickett last night with bad ribs, and you got to run, you got to run, and you got to dink, you got to dunk, that's it. That's all you can do because that's all the quarterback could do. They literally didn't even have the option to try the deep pass to Calvin Austin that Kenny Pickett under threw last night. They couldn't even try to throw it because it was never going to hit, and if they threw it, it was always 10 yards away from the guy. Who am I referring to? Every single quarterback we had <laughs> in between Bradshaw and Ben. I'm not kidding. I mean, the most inaccurate passer we ever had was Cordell Stewart. People talk about him like, he'd be a star in today's NFL. No, he wouldn't. He was horribly inaccurate. <laughs> They're nitpicking that pass to Calvin Austin, and it was a little bit underthrown. Calvin Austin still could have made a better effort and caught that ball. But that's Pickett's fault because it wasn't a perfect pass. Well, go look, at the, go look at the deep balls down the middle the great Cordell Stewart threw. Go look at the deep balls down the middle Mark Malone threw. Go look at the deep balls down the middle that Bubby Brister threw. Go look at the deep balls down the middle that Mike Tomczak threw. Go look at the deep balls down the middle that David Woodley threw. Go look at the deep balls down the middle that Tommy Maddox threw, even. He made a couple nice plays here and there, and you started to think, hey, he's a throw. No, he wasn't. Go look closer. He wasn't wasn't very good. Look, we need to be patient. We need to stop talking about is Kenny the one? Just let him, let him play the year out. And, then, and by the way, he's going to get next year too, probably. Unless he just really goes in the toilet and we're five, six games into next season and he sucks. And he really sucks, like worse than now. Okay, then maybe we take him out next year. But otherwise, folks, I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. He's going to play the rest of this season, whatever happens. And he's going to be the starting quarterback next year too, whatever happens this year. Even if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, guess who's going to be the starting quarterback opening day next year? You guessed it, KP8, Kenny Pickett. So get used to it. And you know why? Because he should be. Because this is the NFL and it takes time to learn and develop and grow. What happened to that being a reality? Why is everybody supposed to be amazing the first year now? You know, it just isn't true. Wasn't true for Josh Allen. It just isn't true. It wasn't true for Jalen Hurts. Go back and look. You don't believe me? Will Levis had a good game. He really didn't. Did you see his stats at the end? Did you really look at his, his game that he actually ended up having? But he has an arm. He has strength. He made plays. Well, his passer rating was 66-something, and Kenny Pickett's was 88-something. I'm sorry. The numbers don't lie. Kenny Pickett had a better game because he... Had a higher passer rating and won the game. He had a higher passer rating and won the game. And no one gives him credit for it because he didn't look real good. But Will Levis looked good. Well, he he lost. And his passer rating sucked. 66 sucks, okay? So I don't think he was that good. I know you think he looked real good because he was a rookie. But guess what? If he had that kind of game all of his rookie season, he'd be worse than Pickett, Okay. He'd be worse than Pickett was last year in his rookie season. If Will Levis plays that game that he played last night, the rest of this season, they, won't even, they probably won't even let him be their starting quarterback next year because <laughs> it would be such an awful season. It would be way worse than Pickett's last year, okay? So wake up, be smart. Let's not overreact to everything and everyone and hope that everybody's going to be a superstar right away. Let's not put too many eggs in one basket either. We're not saying Pickens is all and that's it. No, we're just saying, my God, he has. That's another thing. People are going, 25 starts, 23, 28. It's like, what the fuck? You know, a couple of those starts. The one start with Baltimore last year, he literally was knocked out after three plays. That doesn't count. Do not count that as a start, okay? He came in at halftime. That is not a start, you know? They came in at halftime of the Jets game. That is not a start. That doesn't count. That doesn't count as a game. He played about a half of the Tampa Bay game last year, got knocked out. That doesn't count. I'm not counting last week's game. I'm sorry. I'm not counting games where he only plays a half. If you're going to use the numbers against Kenny Pickett for the how many games has he played in the NFL, I want games where he starts and finishes them, period. That's it. You count the games where he starts and finishes them, okay? That's the only thing. And how many has that been? I think about 18. That's it. Maybe 19 now. I mean, and they're going 24, 25. They keep running up the – because they can't wait to pronounce him a loser. Why? I guess they haven't been in Pittsburgh in the 80s and 90s watching football. I guess they have no idea the amount of time it takes and the patience you have to have when you're trying to find the next great quarterback on your team. I guess they're clueless. That this is a normal process that every other city's had to suffer through way more than we have in Pittsburgh. We are so spoiled here. We have been so lucky. Look at Cleveland. Look at time after time after time. Now with Deshaun Watson, and they can't find a great quarterback. Not you know, they had little teeny flashes here and there. Vinny Testaverde. You know, I mean, it's like. Poor, poor guys, you know, what was it? Warren Seip Chris Syper, whatever the hell his name was. I don't even remember. So many shitty quarterbacks have come and gone, you know. Johnny Manziel. I mean, just poor, those poor sons of bitches. Not really. They're painting the ass fan base. But, holy, how are we lucky? So, Kenny Pickett is already better than any quarterback Cleveland's had in about 20 years or whatever. So, come on. It's true. He's already better than Baker Mayfield ever was for them, okay? And they believed in him there because they were so desperate. They actually were giving him a chance because they were so fucking desperate. So we we need to realize that Kenny's been numerically bad, on the whole pretty bad, but he's a winner and he's won and he's been clutch and we've seen him make throws. Let's not talk about he doesn't have the arm. We've seen him make those throws. Yes, he does have the arm. Why don't we talk more about the ribs? Well, he shouldn't be playing that if he's not perfectly healthy. Why? You'd rather have Mason Rudolph in there? You'd rather have... Do you really think we'd have won that game last night with a healthy Mitch Trubisky starting? Do you really think so? I don't. Or Mason Rudolph. I don't think we'd have won that game at all. So even though he missed some throws and clearly was in pain, and I think it is the injury, I absolutely am glad we started him injured because he's a winning quarterback and he won the fucking game. He won the game. So, of course, it was the right move to start him, even if he was injured. So, I'm sorry, but I'm, I know you want to give up on the guy, but it isn't time yet. Sorry. you know. Try to remember. Reflect back if you were alive in the 80s and 90s and watching football in this city. Try to reflect back. Try to remember what it was like, especially if you're in the media and you're older than me. Please. But grow up. Try to reflect, try to remember, try to have a little bit of common decency. And I'm talking to you, Ron Cook, you motherfucker. He can't wait to take a shot at Kenny Pickett. Yet last year, he couldn't wait to defend Mitch Trubisky the whole beginning of the season. It was amazingly weird. And he always, always performed fellatio on Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know why. That was his buddy. But now he can't wait to take a jab at Pickett. Yet he was he's old. He's like in his late 60s. He was obviously, he was writing for the Post-Gazette during the 80s and 90s, I believe. That old fucking dinosaur. So he remembers above all else the number of quarterbacks we've seen and tolerated. And he was the one writing in his columns, fans are losers. Fans need to shut up. Fans need to accept this quarterback. The backup quarterback is not going to be any better. It's not the quarterback's fault. It's the team. It's a team game, football. Football. You know, he's not that bad. He's okay, he's average, but the players, the offensive line, this and that. Ron Cook was a guy writing all that shit. Now he's saying Pickett's this, Pickett's wrong, Pickett's bad, Pickett doesn't do this. What the fuck happened to him? I'll tell you what, Pickett went to pit. Bing, 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 bing. That's it. The winner the winner is the one who realizes that's what's going on with Ron Cook. But be that as it may, That's no excuse for the fans that went to Penn State or West Virginia, but that's why they hate Pickett too. Look, the bottom line is grow up, be patient. This is the maturation process. We got the rest of this year and next year. If after the next year and a half of football with Kenny Pickett, he's still looking like this, don't worry. The Steelers will move on from him. They will. Don't worry. Relax. If we could sit through... Two shitty comeback years of Ben Roethlisberger. We can sit through two and a half shitty years of number one pick, Kenny Pickett. Okay? If we could sit through 23 years of shitty quarterbacks in Pittsburgh through the 80s and 90s, we can sit through two and a half years of shitty 20th number one pick, Kenny Pickett. Okay? So just grin and bear it. I know it's tough for you guys. I know you want to hate him so bad. I know you want him out of there, but... Trust me, you'll be all right. You'll make it. Just stick it out. And hey, maybe I still is or even win a Super Bowl with this bomb at quarterback. Who knows? Who knows? Just, you know, hope for the best, and I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you in your pain and suffering as you have to deal with this not perfect quarterback on your team. I love you. yabba da boopa.